Thank you, graduates and deaconesses. Please take your copy of the Word of God, and uh, I should let the kids go to Children's Church, I guess, right? Who has that? Matt? Okay. So there'll be no messing around today. You want to go to Children's Church? Uh, we are in Proverbs 2, 1 to 15. I do a Mother's Day sermon every other year. Uh, mothers, this is not your year, and it worked out good for graduation. So we do have a Father's Day message coming, and especially for fathers. Uh, but today we're going to be doing our graduates, and uh, we're speaking especially of Tarek and Natan, and they're going out into the world. Uh, Proverbs chapter 2, 1 to 15 is where we're going to be looking in just a minute. If you want to turn there in your, in your copy of the Word of God. Now, I don't want you to join me in on this. This is a part of the Lord's Prayer. It's not quite exactly as uh, you might have memorized it, but uh, just, just let me talk here and you can just listen, all right? My Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give me this day my daily bread and forgive me my sins as I forgive the sins of others. And do not lead me into temptation but deliver me from evil. Now, I know it goes on, but I want to stop there. Deliver me from evil. Uh, that's an important thing to understand. Deliver me from evil is an appropriate prayer for this day. Uh, we have a choice in this world. And you can either choose to uh, do bull riding, or you can choose the smooth, gentle, but very fast horse uh, to ride in life. Life without following God is like drawing Cool Whip for your ride at the rodeo. Anybody in here ever ride bulls? I had a relative that was killed doing that, and my uncle made a shoot one time. We were, gonna, we were all going to go out and practice riding. Uh, I think we rode Holstein heifers is what we rode. But he put the gate on the chute backwards, so instead of the animal turning around and going outside, it just went for the gap and about broke our legs off and doing that. But, so don't try this at home. But let me tell you a little bit about Cool Whip. When I wrote this, he was supposed to be the top bucking bull in the world, okay? So I'm going to give you some stats if those mean anything to you. Uh, he may not be right now. I don't know how fast that changes. But Cool Whip is the number one rodeo bucking bull in the entire world. Here's some stats. His average score is 44.3581 out of 50, which is extremely good for a bull. Uh, he has 37 outs, which means some cowboy yelled outside 37 times, and they opened the gate and out they went. Uh, he has a no-ride streak of 26 uh, cowboys. The average bull score is 44. Uh, events, 34. Buck-off percentage, 98%. Uh, the average rider score, two, that's not very good, and average buck-off time, three seconds, 45 point, 45 point rides, and uh, there was 19 of those. Now, that's, that's amazing for a bull, okay? Uh, I wouldn't even want to be in the same pen where he's at, let alone try to crawl on his back. Uh, this would mean that life is not going well for you if you decided to ride uh, Cool Whip as, as your daily challenge to ride. Uh, and I'm talking about life, right? Uh, and this bull only gives you eight seconds to do your best and to survive. Or you could make a different life choice, and this is what I'm going to be talking about with our uh, graduates, a different life choice. 
And that life choice would be uh, ride the fastest and best thoroughbred uh, in the world, and that was Secretariat. Now, I don't know. I'm trusting the people that say they know who's the best. So uh, that was way back in 1973. And though he came much later, let's say you are a man by the name Erod Ortiz Jr., who happens to be the best jockey in our day in the United States of America. Wouldn't that be a better and a uh, more, more spiritual ride in life to choose Secretariat instead of choosing uh, to spend your life against God, not doing what God wants you to do, and you end up on the Cool Whip, but not for long. Choose evil, and it's like Cool Whip. Choose righteousness, and it's going to be like Secretariat. Don't let the name deceive you. Cool Whip is not your friend. Now I want to read here in uh, Proverbs chapter 2, and I think what I'll do is I'll just take uh, each section as I have it here, and you're following along in your bulletin, you can see that. <clears throat> I'm kind of conscious of the time here. We've gone a little long, and I know the graduates need to get up to the school here pretty soon. So it says, and uh, follow me with, if you would please, in your copy, uh, Proverbs chapter 2, verse 1. My son, if you will receive my words and treasure my commandments within you, make your ear attentive to wisdom, incline your heart to understanding. For if you cry for discernment, lift your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then, so we see a result there, then you will discern the fear of Yahweh and discover the knowledge of God. The pursuit in the book of Proverbs is to discover the knowledge of God, to gain wisdom. And it's for the naive young person, naive about life, so that they can get experience about life without having to go through the problems of life. So the Bible has designed the book of Proverbs to keep the young person, man or woman, uh, in a place where they can make good decisions, even though they don't have the experience in life that others older have. And so the point is, you want to do what Solomon tells you to do. And we learn in verses 1 to 5 that it takes personal discipline for one to take hold of the treasures of God's wisdom. In other words, it doesn't just uh, fall out of the sky and naturally you just walk into church and you get all this wisdom and it's all of a sudden yours. It doesn't work like that at all. You have to work at it, and that's the point. If you're going to work at it, you have to have chosen to work at it, and that's another point. So please notice the pattern uh, that is used here in the book of Proverbs in these first five verses. What you find is that there's these conditional statements, if in verse 1, if in verse 3, if in verse 4, and then you get the result then in verse 5. So he's saying there are conditions be, that have to be met if you're going to meet the result or want the result, and the result is the knowledge of God. And I'm just going to assume that uh, our graduates want the knowledge of God, and they want to be a, a, a man of God since they're both men this, this time. The whole issue here is that something is very valuable ahead of you, and it is available for those who want it, who want to acquire it. There is a path with things that have to be done in order to gain the knowledge of God, and that's in verse 5, right? That's where we're headed. So in verse 1, he starts with this conditional clause, if you will. God doesn't make you do the right thing, ever. God leaves that up to you to decide, are you going to obey? Are you going to follow? Are you going to do what God wants you to do? And that's a decision each one of us has to make. It's a choice that God wants us to make uh, to follow him. But he says, if you will, uh, that calls on you in verse 1 for a choice. And will you receive God's word? And will you treasure his teachings? And will you store those up in your heart? And will you pay the price to get it? 
There is a price in order to get wisdom. There is a price in order to get the, the knowledge of God. And I assume one of the reasons you're here this morning is because you're paying that price. And you're willing to, to put out some effort, willing to work, willing to read the Word of God, willing to hear what it says and, and do what it says. And that's something you've chosen to do. In verse 2, will you also force your ear to pay attention to wisdom and incline your heart? And it's a pretty word in the, in the Hebrew text. It means to slope your heart towards wisdom and, and receive that into your heart. And that's where it has to be. So will you incline your ear to your, and your heart toward the understanding that he has to give? And understand that there is a promise in James that goes along with this. And I'm going to go to James 1.5 here for just a second. Uh, we'll be here too long. And it says, But if anyone lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all generously and without reproach, and it will be given him. One of the ways you acquire wisdom from God is you listen to his word, you read the word, you take the training, and one of the other things you do is you apply it in your life and you believe that if I ask God for wisdom, he will give me wisdom because that's what the book says. I want you to remember that Solomon is talking to the youth, the, the ones that are not experienced with life. They're called in the book those who are naive. They haven't experienced life to its fullest yet. They haven't gone through all the trouble and the pain and the bad decisions. And Solomon says, look, Young person, come to me. Do this. Understand this. And just by your actions and obedience, you'll show yourself wiser than your peers, wiser than those around you who don't care what God has to say. So Solomon is talking to youth. Why should we listen to Solomon? Well, because uh, he is arguably the wisest man that ever lived. Uh, Daniel and others are also put up there in that list, but he obviously is very wise. And he is giving you a path to wisdom. He is assuming that you want wisdom. He's assuming that I want to have wisdom in my life. And you're going to find wisdom beyond your years. What, what a leg up you can have on life if you already have experience just by doing what God's word says and trusting it uh, when your peers are faltering because they don't do what God tells them to do and they fall into traps and pitfalls uh, that the world sets for them. That wisdom will be yours for many years, and you will build on that. And so I guess what I'm saying is that when it comes to life and the metaphors we're using, choose secretariat. Don't choose Cool Whip. You won't last long. And you know I'm not talking about the one that comes in a plastic tub, right? In verse 3, one has to cry out for discernment and understanding. Have you ever thought about that? God wants you to ask for this. He wants you to cry out for it. He wants you to let your voice be heard. Lord, I want this. I need this. And would you give it to me? So you're crying out for discernment. Notice how he said that in verse 3. For if you cry out for discernment, lift your voice for understanding. We know that wisdom in this book is crying out for people to hear her, and you need to cry back and say, I want to hear you. I want to know you. I want to learn. Uh, it's uh, the way God made it. It's interesting. When babies need something, uh, you can all answer this question, of course, not out loud today, but uh, when babies need something, how do they let mom or dad know? How does mom and dad ever know that a baby needs something? I mean, do they have to go check on them because they're always so quiet and they never make a sound or move and they're always doing well, shaking, waking up, are you okay? Anything you need? No, that's not how it works. They are crying at the top of their lungs. They're crying out for someone to meet a need, and that's how you know. They're not at all quiet about it. The picture... Uh, is someone going after wisdom with the attitude that I won't quit until I get it. I won't quit until I get it. 
And that's the attitude that I want our young people to have, and our old people too. In verse 4, he says, if you, so that's our third one, if you seek her as silver and so search for her as hidden treasure. So your search for God's wisdom is likened to, in the text, someone looking for something that is valuable to them. And uh, it should be valuable to everyone else. Or probably would say silver and gold are valuable, right? And so he wants you to go after wisdom like you're going after a treasure. Now this leads me to an illustration of a show that I don't really care to watch. But I watch it because my beloved bride loves it. And it's called The Curse of Oak Island. Anybody know that? They've been on a treasure hunt on Oak Island for all this stuff, and it just drives me nuts because we've been watching this faithfully for 10 years. We still haven't found the treasure. <laughs> it's, it's on on Tuesday night. Now, we're watch, we watched this winter what they did last summer. So they've got this summer done. We don't even know. They maybe have found the treasure, but they are milking us for watching the program and for the advertisement money, and I'm not supposed to complain about it when I watch it. But what you see is that these guys are unbelievably driven for the gold that's supposedly buried in Oak Island. And uh, many people have looked for it over lots of years, and no one's ever found it. Well, they think they're close, or at least they keep teasing us to think they're close, and then they don't find anything except a Bobby Dazzler or something by, with a Geiger counter. And, and it just drives me nuts. You know, I think they already have the treasure. I think they're long gone, but we're still watching it. Now, I'm not going to complain about that. Because on the other hand, my beloved wife lets me watch all the Bigfoot shows I want to watch that she does not like and doesn't believe in, if you can imagine that. So uh, I, I tune in and watch The Curse of Oak Island. My point is this, okay? These guys have spent millions and millions of dollars. They've got all these people involved in finding this treasure, which up to now we haven't found for 10 years. But we're enjoying the show, aren't we, sweetheart? Yes. All right. And I will continue to enjoy that until they find something. All right. The point is, that's how God wants you to look at this, this book that he has. He wants you to seek it like they're seeking their treasure. And they don't give up and they don't quit. In verse 5, if you put in the work, then you will discern the fear of Yahweh and you will discover the knowledge of God. If you don't put in the work, you won't. For, more value, for something that is more valuable than gold or silver is at your fingertips in the Bible if you just take it to heart. Cry out for God's wisdom. Spend time in it. As believers, we have the mind of Christ, which is just unfathomable in terms of what that would mean, but it's in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I want to read that. 1 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 16. Get this. For who has known the mind of Yahweh? Well, nobody. How could you possibly know the mind of Yahweh? That, and who will instruct him? Job learned in the Old Testament there is no one who can do that. But look what Paul says. But we have the mind of Christ. Where is it? How do I find it? Well, it's right here. But you have to pay a price, you have to read it, you have to study it, and God will give it to you. God is not stingy with his wisdom. We have the spiritual enablement through the Spirit of God to understand what God teaches. The secular world does not. 
So they don't see things the way we see things. They don't see morality the way we see morality. They don't see ethics the way we see ethics. They don't see philosophy the way we see philosophy. And they certainly don't see God. We have spiritual enablement that God teaches us. So the point I want to make is will you do your part? The Holy Spirit is certainly doing his part. Will you do yours? And you're going to get that chance when you leave home. Natan's going into the military, into the Marines, and uh, Tarek, you're going to Fort Hayes State, right? That bastion of godliness and wholeheartedness. It's tough on a university campus. It's tough in, in the military. Uh, you guys got Bibles today. I hope you take them with you and use them as you go. In verses 6 through 11, for Yahweh gives wisdom, and from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. He stores up sound wisdom for the upright. He is a shield to those who walk in integrity, guarding the paths of justice and preserves the way of his godly ones. Then you will discern righteousness and justice and equity and every good course, for wisdom will enter into your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your souls. Discretion will guard you. Understanding will watch over you. We're going to stop there for just a minute. What we learn in that particular passage is this. God's wisdom, knowledge, and understanding will be a shield and a guard to your lives. Okay? So someday Natan's going to be carrying a military rifle, but that's not, his, that's not his true weapon. That's not his shield. And the rest of us may not be carrying a, a weapon exactly, uh, literally, but we're in a battle, and the enemy wants to kill you, wants to take your life, wants to destroy you. And you need to take God with you to protect you. <laughs> from those things. So in verse 6, we can have these things because the Lord gives them to his people. I know both of you young men know Jesus as your Savior. You and I can't find anything that compares to the wisdom of God. I guarantee that. The smartest man in the world recommended the wisdom of God and gave that wisdom to us as he has in this book. And you will not, you will not anywhere in any school, whether it's a collegiate level or university or whatever, you will never find a professor, no matter what they say about themselves, that is smarter than Solomon. Never. I made the point last night at the baccalaureate, science is not the only avenue to truth. And we're not like uh, what Richard Dawkins says, just blobs of matter. Well, if you're just matter, as Eric Metaxas says, then you don't matter, but you're not. You're spiritual beings. And you have, you have eternity in you through your spirits. I also want to add that Solomon was a theist. So don't fall into the traps of the new atheists. Uh, they uh, are those who don't believe in God and hate God. And they hate people that love God. In verse 7, God stores up wisdom for the upright. And it is a shield to the one who chooses to walk in integrity. I wonder how you would answer this question. Has there ever been a person, a man or a woman in life that absolutely gave themselves 100% to God. D.L. Moody said that was his goal in life. But there's plenty of wisdom left for everybody else. It's yours to, to pick this fruit out of the Bible and to make it a part of your life. Let's see what God can do with you. God is storing up wisdom, and he wants you to walk in integrity, and it's yours for the choosing. Will you, will you cry out for it? What will you choose? Always choose God if I could give that recommendation. 
In verse 8, God himself guards the paths of justice and he preserves the ways of those who have chosen to walk in his godliness. And I want to know if you're choosing to walk in God's godliness. So take this to mean that he is guarding those on the path of justice, those who want to do that which is right in God's eyes, who are also going to be under his care. Then verse 9, another one of those results, then you will discern righteousness and justice. Then you will discern, which means differentiate between righteousness and justice to a finest degree, and you know what they are, and you live those things. God gives you that kind of wisdom, and every good course in life. There are no, long, there are no longer things valued by the world's system in that kind of a life. Don't value things of the world, value the things of God. They will be what God holds you accountable for on Judgment Day. So live to do well on that day. In verse 10, wisdom will enter your heart and knowledge will be pleasant to your soul. So that's what we're striving for. You can't do that without God. Wisdom will enter your heart. Knowledge, it needs to be the knowledge of God and it will be pleasant to your soul. Uh, there's times in the Bible it, it just uh, gives us a symbol of somebody eating a scroll. And God gives them a scroll and they eat it and it's, uh, it was just very sweet in his mouth, this prophet. Then it was very, very bitter in his stomach because of the message of judgment that it held. The point is there is sweetness and there is judgment in this book. Solomon, all the way through, is trying to get us to see the ways of wisdom and realize this is the best path to go down. So in verse 11, having discretion or good judgment and understanding morally, ethically, and spiritually will guard your life and watch over you. That's what God wants for you. The wisdom of God will never let you down. Next, Solomon speaks to us about why this is so important to do. And our last section is verses 12 through 15. And so he tells us what it's going to do. Why do you want to get wisdom? Why do you want to get discretion? Why do you want to have righteousness and understand justice? Why? In verse 12, to deliver you from the way of evil. See, evil has a way. Satan has a Bible. And it's not our Bible. And the Satanic Bible is completely opposed to God. If you know anything about Anton LaVey, who wrote it under the inspiration of the enemy, you'll know it's completely opposite of what God's word is. This is to deliver you from the way of evil, from the man who speaks perverse things, from those who leave the paths of uprightness. And when you go to the military, and you go to college, you're going to notice a lot of people who leave the path, who no longer follow God. Don't let that be you. To walk in the ways of darkness, who delight in doing evil and rejoice in the perversity of evil whose paths are crooked and who are devious in their ways. This is what life can be like among people who have been maybe the leash taken off for the first time. They go to college and, and uh, everything comes loose. And in verse 12, God's purpose in supplying these things to the upright is so that, notice very carefully, you will be delivered. You will be delivered. I would think you would want that. So you cry out for wisdom. You'll be delivered from evil and from the man or the woman who speaks perverse things to you. Evil has many mouthpieces and it has many dedicated proponents. Be careful, be discerning. God is out to save you from ruin. 
perverseness is that which turns away from God's normal. It is the inevitable result of a wicked heart that is not, uh, not filled with God's word or a relationship with him. In verse 13, God wants to stop us from leaving righteousness and the righteous path. And in living in the ways of darkness, Satan's dark world. Satan is the little G God of this world. Uh, we serve the big G God of the universe. And in this dark world of sin, we see his ways taking shape. And as the day draws near, we see more and more. Satan, the Bible says, is the prince of darkness and perversion. He tries to make what is evil look good. And he uses half-truths to get you off the right path. Don't fall for it. And you won't if you know the word of God and have a good relationship with him. Satan is a perverse liar and uh, the king of darkness. He makes the straight ways of God crooked. He takes and makes your path a ruinous path and not a highway. Kind of reminds you of Cool Whip, doesn't it? You will run into many examples of this path in any collegiate situation or university. There will be many, many who absolutely hate the pure ways of God and who run into darkness of the great liar Satan. Run to it. Cling to it. And they want you to do the same thing. Don't go. Don't go. I know one Christian already in the uh, Marines, and that's, that's Shelton. We're going to have two. There's probably lots more. I want you guys to stick together and uphold each other. And the same at college or at university. God's ways are pure, and those who run into darkness find themselves on a crooked path. I want you to remember this phrase. God promises life, then gives it. Satan promises life, then takes it. Verse 14. Who delight in doing evil and who rejoice in perversity of evil. There are some people on campuses, in the militaries, we're talking about that thing, who can't wait to do the next evil and wicked thing. They make plans to do that. School is something we just, we just got to get through during the week so we can get to the weekend where we can really live. There are people who live for doing evil and rejoice in perversity. The righteous never delight in perversity, wickedness, or evil. Their heart is different. So I want to encourage you to find people on campus or in the core who think and, and live like you do. And that means you've you got to be an example and live the way you're supposed to. And you want to link yourself with those who are also on the path of righteousness. Find a good place to worship and serve God, not Satan. I like to ask uh, young people who have been away in college for a year, you going to church? Oh, yeah. <laughs> What's your pastor's name? Very few have been able to tell me. Well, he's that one guy. Yeah. Uh, know your pastor's name. If you're going to tell me you're going to church, I will ask, you know, who's your pastor? You know? And if you come back here, it would be me. That would be good. Okay. Um, I don't know if you'll understand this or not. For, it comes from an Amish community uh, illustration. College is not to be a Protestant rumspringer, where the Amish give their kids a chance to just go off the deep end, but when they're done, they have to decide, are you coming back, or are you gone forever? Lastly, verse 15, whose path, paths, excuse me, are crooked, 
and who are devious in their ways. The sinful walk a crooked path. That's what Proverbs tells us. And they are devious, meaning they're scheming and deceitful. In all their ways, it says. Not just some of their ways, but if their heart is, is not with God, if it's of the king of darkness, if it's full of, of that stuff, their paths are crooked and they are devious in all their ways. I must have got that right out of the Hebrew text because my English text doesn't have it. Go with me on that, all right? All their ways. God wants to deliver you, but God will never force you to do the right thing. God wants to deliver you from that stuff. Wisdom, knowledge, and understanding from God is available. Long for it, yearn for it, want it. You must choose. And I believe that you already have chosen your path, and it's a good path. I want to encourage you to stay on it. Let me end with some applications here, and uh, we're doing pretty good. We'll get you to graduation on time. Number one, wisdom requires that you come to God. Go to anyone else, any other of the thousands of Hindu gods or wherever you want to go. No wisdom there. Wisdom requires that you come to God. You request it. Diligently search for it. Have a submissive heart toward God. Retain it. Listen to it. Apply it. Secondly, God wants to save us from our inborn, innate, inherited ability to be foolish and to suffer the consequences for our foolishness. Thirdly, an ethical and moral response is required. That's a prerequisite. Number four, God will deliver you if you follow him. And then, so you don't forget, don't choose spiritual cool whip. Choose rather to run with spiritual secretariats. I don't have a right to speak for everyone in the church, but I can say, and I, I pray they would too, be praying for you every day as you leave and go into the next phase of your life. You are always loved here and welcomed here. And we would do what we can to help you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you especially uh, for the seniors we've had in our high school youth group, for Adrian Hawkins and for Natan Bryan and also for Tarek Kelch. And we just want to pray for these young people. I know that they've already made good decisions. They've shown that in the way that they have lived in high school. I pray that they would uh, continue to be a good illustration and model for those uh, younger kids that are looking up to them and following them. And Father, I pray that you would protect them. I ask that you would give them uh, people in, their, in the military or in school that would be of like heart and mind for Jesus Christ and that they would not be swayed onto the path of darkness and perversity. Lord, I want to thank you for them. I want to thank you for the choices they've made so far. And I pray, Father, that we would uphold them in prayer, not just give that lip service, but do it, as we would all of the young people that are in school and our teachers and our parents. Uh, it's a tough world we live in, and we need your help. We need your wisdom. And I pray your wisdom and your righteousness and your justice would be strong 
with these young men and, and Adrian. And we ask these things in Jesus' precious and holy name. Amen.